Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 48, Consecrate Thine Afflictions for Thy Gain. What I love about reading the scriptures, specifically the Book of Mormon, is that no two experiences are ever the same for me. Yeah, there are those scriptures that I get the same lessons and the same reminders from. They're pretty deeply ingrained, but there is plenty of room for lessons to be able to pop up in my mind as I read and I ponder just small sections of scripture at a time. And I feel like today's episode is is one of those moments. We're beginning in 2 Nephi chapter 2. Remember, we are reading the last counsel that Lehi is giving to his sons before he departs from this life. And Lehi begins by specifically addressing his son Jacob, whom he refers to as my firstborn in the days of my tribulation in the wilderness. Remember, born to Lehi and Sariah while they traveled in the wilderness were two sons, Jacob and Joseph. And again, I think just this phrase that Lehi begins with is more evidence of the difficulty of their sojourn in the wilderness. The circumstances in which Jacob and Joseph were brought into this world were probably far less than the ideal, at least in the mind of their parents. No doubt Lehi and Sariah would have desired and maybe even designed different circumstances. And though life in Jerusalem was politically and spiritually chaotic, they needed to leave. They saw the wisdom in needing to follow the Lord's command and leave. I do have the impression that their lifestyle, the lifestyle that Lehi and Sariah left behind, was a huge sacrifice. Laban lusted after their riches. Their sons years later lamented over having to live without it. And though it may not have possessed all the modern comforts that we experience today, I just, I have a feeling that they had been blessed abundantly for their time period. Their home in Jerusalem probably would have been more convenient and perhaps even perceived as an ideal compared to the life that they were living in the wilderness. And then we have Father Lehi acknowledging that the childhood of Jacob had been difficult as well. So it wasn't just the fact that they were living in the wilderness, but that he said, In thy childhood thou hast suffered afflictions and much sorrow because of the rudeness of thy brethren. Now in the Hickenlooper home, where we have growing children, where we have four boys and one girl who are learning all of the typical lessons and on how to be civil with one another, we wade through rudeness from time to time. But for Lehi to recognize Jacob's suffering and his sorrow because of his brother's rudeness is an indicator of the severe conflict that the family was surviving in. 
No doubt, these are not the circumstances that Lehi and Sariah desired to raise their sons in. Have you ever thought of that? Yet, here they were, experiencing it and trying their best to navigate successfully through it. And this is not unlike us parents today. Or even those who are contemplating becoming parents in the future. There is the question, how to raise a sin-resistant generation, or even how to protect our children from the sorrow of sin and the suffering that wickedness can bring into their lives. There are some who fear having children, perhaps even postponing having children because of the rapidly increasing obstacles and the deterioration of moral support within our society for them to be able to raise the kind of family they want to raise. Or there are some who already have children. (laughs) We sometimes can become a little hyper in trying to orchestrate their lives, wanting to ensure that they are receiving the best opportunities, that they don't experience anything too hard in order to spare them from the suffering. We watch out for possible afflictions, That may arise in their life. And we do our very best to avoid and to maneuver around them in order to be able to make their path smooth. Because we worry so much about their feelings of worth. And we fear that any negative experience in their life might derail them from spiritual decisions that they'll make in the future. However, here in chapter 2 of 2 Nephi, we have an example of a young man in which it wasn't possible to spare him from the harshness of the wilderness, the crashing waves of the sea in which he crossed, the hunger and the thirst that he endured, the elements that he had to survive, and the family chaos that arose. And yet, Jacob survived it. Hmm. Jacob, despite his circumstances, had come to know the greatness of God. And do you want to know how great God is? The prophet of God assured Jacob that God would consecrate Jacob's afflictions for his gain. These days of tribulation and all the sorrow and the suffering that he endured would not be wasted. They would not work against Jacob. He would not be left in a deficit because of the hard things that he had endured. But we feel like we might, though. When we're in the thick of things, we really feel like we might be at a deficit. We feel we are being held back from progression, that our pain and that our grief are weakening us and preventing us from reaching those high places that we desire so greatly to stand upon. And then we start to look to the side of ourselves and we think, we see others progressing nicely and they seem to be doing it with ease and everything's working out for them and nothing's holding them back. But... Despite Jacob experiencing all that he did, God is going to consecrate or make sacred or he's going to dedicate to a divine purpose all of Jacob's afflictions. They are going to expand Jacob. He will not be decreased because of them. 
And this is an example of the tremendous mercy that our Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, possess. Because to be mortal is to experience all that mortality has to offer. All the highs and all the lows. And though we are all striving for those highs, with the Lord Jesus Christ sanctifying our efforts, the lows in which we wade through are not going to be lost to us. And we are not going to be diminished. And I know I need to convince myself of that more often. These are not wasted moments. When we're partnered up with the Lord, we are not digressing. We are still progressing. And that is where we can have hope. The trust in better days to come. The trust that we are becoming better because of what we're experiencing. That our wildernesses are the perfect learning lessons needed to elevate us and to bring us closer to God. And this can be one of the answers to those questions that are often asked when we are in pain or when we're feeling hopeless. Why do bad things happen to good people? I think Lehi gives us a little bit of an insight into that question. And though bad things happened to Jacob, he was elevated because of how he chose to respond during those moments. And sister scriptorians, that is where our agency resides. It resides in how we choose to react. And our reactions are coming from the thoughts that we are choosing to entertain. That is where we have agency. And Jacob's soul was blessed, and he received redemption because of the righteousness of his Redeemer. In fact, in his youth, Jacob had had the opportunity to behold the glory of Jesus Christ. He was made a witness of Jesus Christ, even despite his circumstances. And though you may not have seen Jesus Christ face to face, have you not received a witness of him despite your afflictions? Somehow, in his youth, Jacob must have followed the counsel of his father. The same counsel that Lehi gave his elder sons in the last chapter, to awake and arise. And Jacob seems to be living that counsel. Despite the tribulation and despite the rudeness of his brothers, Jacob turned out okay. In fact, he turned out better than okay. He thrived. God had been merciful to him. And despite all he had endured, It turned out well. And that's a lesson for me as a parent. To have more faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, but to have more faith in the relationship that I have with Jesus Christ and that I hope to help my children foster. That that is a true indicator of what their success is going to be versus the circumstances in which they find themselves in. Lehi taught his son that Because of Jacob's experience and beholding the glory of Jesus Christ, Jacob was as blessed as those who the Lord will minister to in the flesh during his mortal mission. Lehi taught that the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that his gospel, the way, was prepared from the fall of men. And have you considered the blessing that this characteristic of God brings to your life? We live in a day and age in which we have come to expect that things will change. We can just go back 
just two generations and see how society's norms have greatly moved farther away from our standards that we hold today. And it is no longer surprising to us when large companies collapse and when we see marriages end. In fact, we even expect that though expensive, there isn't much of anything that lasts forever, let alone doesn't change. And it's sad that we accept that politicians lie to us and that we live with this paranoia that the rules can possibly change on us. In general, we once used to feel pretty secure that we shared common ethics found in businesses and education and religion and the laws of the land. And this gave us a feeling of strength and security. And that luxury is fading. And in its wake, we are left with insecurity and doubt. Some of us feel isolated and defensive. But to have a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, no matter what the time period is, and that when we make the effort to know his position, then we can decide with confidence which direction to face despite the dilemma or the loud voices surrounding us. And we can be blessed with peace and knowing he stands firm. There is security in knowing that the gospel is the same, that it provides the same comforts and the same direction and assurances that strengthen our legs to stand unwavering for truth and righteousness. Lehi then calls Jacob to spend his days in the service of God. And then as I read the following verses, I saw that Lehi is giving Jacob further tutoring on the importance of building a relationship with the Lord. Lehi teaches that men are instructed sufficiently that they know good from evil. And I believe that this is referring to our premortal life and a little glimpse into how we spent our days before coming to this earth. And this brings me peace of mind, that though my children had passed through the veil of forgetfulness, their spirits recall and they remember. And this is made possible because each one of us comes to earth with the light of Christ. It's given to every man. And our job as parents is to teach them to bring them to remembrance of what they already know. And then the light of Christ will testify to them of the truth that we teach them. And during our premortal life, the laws of the gospel were given to us. And remember, it is the same because it comes from the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But here's the thing. So we have the law and we learn more about the law or the word of God each time we read our scriptures or attend church or progress in the ordinance and covenants we make. But we learn from Lehi that by the law, no flesh is justified. No matter how perfect we try to be, no matter how diligent we are, we can all make a checklist of all the things that we need to check off and obey and do. And we can try our very, very, very best (laughs) to meet each and every demand that is laid upon us, but the reality is none of us will be found justified in the eyes of the law. Now for some, this can bring some feelings of discouragement and possibly even a little bit of resentment. And for us perfectionists, this can kind of bring up a little bit of fear, fear of failure and fear of not being good enough. But know that our salvation 
uh, it doesn't come by the law itself. You see, if we just focused on the law, which has two components, remember, the temporal and the spiritual, if we can't be justified by the law, then we will be cut off and we will perish, succumbing to misery forever. But we are children of a merciful God. And he wants you to understand it isn't the law that saves you. The law is necessary and it is to be abided by. But redemption cometh in and through the Holy Messiah. For he is full of grace and truth by our relationship with Jesus Christ and the use of his atonement. We are able to obtain salvation. You see it there in Lehi's words, for he is full of grace and truth. And when I see the word grace, I substitute that for his enabling power, his power that he gives me, that allows me to do something, to do something that I would not be able to necessarily do on my own and to benefit from his grace. That means we need to have a relationship with him, to rely on his power and not be limited by just relying upon our own limited strength. His grace makes it possible for us to repent of our wrongs, to say we're sorry, and for them to be washed clean. His grace makes it possible for us to eventually obtain entrance into the kingdom of God. When at least I know my offering, though it is truly my best, it's rather lopsided and crumbling but I'm holding it together the best I can. But his grace makes it beautiful. Our relationship, when we work at it with him, it will become such that he will know that that truly was our best, that we tried keeping the law, but we have found ourselves short. And it is his grace that even permits our efforts to qualify for all that the Lord hath. And what is required of us? Our offering of a broken heart and a contrite spirit will be enough for him to allow us to be made whole by his sacrifice. Remember, contrite means to express remorse, or in other words, to repent. And Elder David A. Bednar said that thus repentance is trusting in and relying upon the Redeemer to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Lehi goes on to teach that there is no flesh that can dwell in the presence of God, save it be through the merits and mercy and grace of the Holy Messiah. It is the Savior's merits, his deeds, such as laying down his life and then taking it again by the power of the Spirit that brings salvation to us by providing for us a resurrection. And it is the Savior's mercy, treating us better than we deserve by forgiving us suffering for us and giving us the space to just figure things out and giving us probation to become aligned with him. And it's the Savior's grace, his enabling power that adds his power to our meager efforts and sanctifies us, making us even able to stand before God. He is such a good friend to us. The final role of the Savior that I want to mention today is his part that he will play in our behalf. He will make intercession for all men. All men. He is the great mediator. And he will intercede on our behalf, mediating our efforts compared to the law. 
all of us are going to partake in this experience. We're going to come before God and we're going to stand in his presence. And we will be judged according to his truth and his righteousness. Not my perceived truth, but his. And I better make sure that I am diligently striving to learn what his truth is and to apply that truth in my life. But can you imagine the relationship that we must have with our Savior for us to even feel comfortable with him speaking on our behalf? I don't just trust that to anyone. Do you? I want them to know me. I would want them to have experienced things with me. I would want them to know my heart, my intentions, in order to give them permission to speak for me while I stood there beside them, allowing them to plead on my behalf. This is the day in which that relationship needs to be built between myself and my Savior in order to ensure that my mediator is my friend, that I trust him that I know he knows my heart and that I know his so that I can be comfortable with the fact that I need him and so that I can trust him completely because he has walked with me. I have talked with him. I have leaned on him when I was weak and I have whispered to him my fears. You see, because he's perfect, I know that he's going to represent me in truth and righteousness with mercy and grace. But I want to be prepared to accept that and to trust that. To have the faith sufficient that even though I have tried my very, very best to keep the law, no matter what I do, I need him. And I want to be 100% okay with that. Jacob's afflictions taught him that. And so can ours. Here in our days of probation, our afflictions too can be consecrated for our gain. But it is a process in learning how to allow that. Jacob must have figured that out. He must have built that friendship with his mediator, despite his brother's rudeness. Despite the sorrow and the grief he saw his parents go through, Jacob must have been focused on building his relationship, his friendship with his Redeemer. Because not only was he visited by the Lord, Lehi declared to Jacob, Thou art redeemed because of the righteousness of thy Redeemer. When times were tough, Jacob chose God. When he suffered, he leaned on him. When Jacob was filled with sorrow, he allowed the Redeemer to sanctify it for his betterment. What a good friend Jesus Christ is. Sister Scriptorians, this week... Work on your friendship with Jesus Christ. Make room in your life for His grace and His mercy. Offer Him your broken heart and your contrite spirit and trust Him with it. Pray for His friendship and then go and treat someone else like you know the Savior will treat you. Be that kind of friend to someone else and help them in their afflictions. Have a good day.